Amen. You may be seated. Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And we're going to look at one verse. This is a strange passage, I suppose, for Christmas time, just like this morning was. And uh, this morning, I think we figured out the theme and got back to the the theme that we were aiming at for this December time, but tonight's not. It's, it's more about the time leading up to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I, think, I think we ought to preach the crucifixion, the resurrection year-round. I think we ought to preach the birth of Christ year-round. We believe it, and let's proclaim it from the mountaintops. Mark chapter 11 tonight, Mark chapter 11. And... Uh, I was going to say something, but I think I'll save it for after. Mark chapter 11, let's have a look tonight. Thank you for that song, Cindy. I I didn't know that um, that song could have been the message I preached this morning. Come, 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 come. And it goes with the theme so well. I didn't even, had no clue. It says in the in the order of service when I put it in, and, and we do our music a couple months out. So this is December, so back in October, 1st of October, we would have put these in the plans and uh, just so people have time to rehearse and whatever. And I put this song in, and I remember thinking this is a typo because it says, Oh, come all you unfaithful. And I'm thinking, Oh, come all ye faithful. And I thought it was a typo, and I thought, Okay, well, that's what she's titled it. I'll put it in there. And, and, uh, but what a perfect song to go with our theme. We ought to have her sing at every service, I think. I don't know if she liked that, but, but just perfect. Thank you so much for that song, Cindy. And she didn't know my theme, and I didn't know her song, but the Lord has a way of putting all those things together. Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, there's not going to be any points up tonight or anything like that. There's more of a narrative or a story that I'd like to share with you <coughs> from the Word of God. Every once in a while, I, I call it tripping over a verse. You're reading through the scripture and you just kind of trip over a verse. You ever done that? You know what I mean? And it's just something speaks to your heart. Something grabs you and you think, what does that mean? And sometimes it's some of the most obscure things. And you just kind of have to meditate on it, think about it, pray about it, and wonder. The Lord must have something there because I just keep tripping. I can't get past that verse. And that's one of those verses tonight. So Mark chapter 11, I'm going to read the scriptures. I'll share a little bit from the Word of God for you tonight. And then we're going to have a time of prayer uh, for some urgent things going on in our church right now. We'll shut off the live stream for that. And uh, we'll dismiss those that are watching at home. But thank you. I would appreciate tonight if you just give us 10 minutes. After the service, we'll be done a little bit early. Give us 10 minutes and pray with us tonight. We need to be aware of these things and lifting them up before the throne of grace. All right? Mark chapter 11. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany in the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied wherein never man sat, loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that, I, that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We all know that story, don't we? We know the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and what we call the triumphal entry of our Savior into Jerusalem. We know tonight, if I were to ask even the children here, they would say this takes place the week of his crucifixion, a week before his resurrection. We often call it Palm Sunday because they laid palms in his path and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But notice what verse 11 says. As the Lord Jesus Christ rides into the city, it says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around, or when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Notice verse 11. And when he had looked round about, Upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. I believe with all my heart that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I believe that. And because I believe that, I believe there's something significant about that verse. The Lord Jesus Christ, after the triumphal entry, went into the temple, and the Bible says here's what he did. He just looked around. It was nearing the end of the day. The Bible calls it eventide. I suppose the sun was beginning to set and they would soon need to retreat to Bethany and there spend the night before the Lord would return the next day. But the Lord, before he would leave Jerusalem, wanted to go to the temple where the very presence of God was existent. And the Bible says he looked around. I'm going to do my best tonight to kind of expound on this a little bit and and, in my understanding what I think it means. And and I I want to be careful not to be a preacher that just uses a line of scripture and then preaches whatever he wants. But I think when the Lord was looking around, I want to answer this question tonight. What did he see? What did he see? Let's pray together. Father, help us, we pray. Lord, as we look to the word of God, we pray that you would help us to draw some of the principles that we might find in this little verse of scripture that I've been tripping over. Father, I have no doubt that since you've inspired your word and that there's no idle words in scripture, that they're there for a purpose. They're there to teach us something. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes tonight and help us to make the application that we will come to. Father, I need your help. Lord, most of the message would have to flow from my heart and from my memory. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help both. I pray that you'd fill me with thy Holy Spirit now and help me to speak those things which you'd lay upon my heart. Lord, may the Spirit of God help each one of us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the crowds cried out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were really anointing their new king. They believed that the Lord Jesus Christ was about to set up an earthly kingdom. He was the Messiah after all. And he would come and he would reign over Jerusalem. And the people were excited about that. And perhaps this was the start of the uprising they had hoped for. The deliverance of the Messiah. But of course the Lord Jesus Christ had other plans. He was in fact the Messiah. But he wasn't here to 
deliver them from some earthly domain, but instead a spiritual realm. He was here to deliver their souls from sin. So the Lord Jesus Christ would make his way throughout that week to the cross of Calvary, to Gethsemane, finally to a garden grave, and there he would rise again. And to be witnessed by many over the next 40 days before he would ascend up into heaven. But I want you to back up just a little bit to this first day that he rides into the city. And the Bible says he comes into that temple place in verse 11. And when he looked round upon all things, and now the evening time was come, he went out with, unto Bethany with the twelve. We know that in the triumphal entry, Jesus was not alone. The disciples walked alongside or behind. There were those that laid palms and crowds began to grow. And the Lord Jesus Christ would lead this group of travelers all the way to the temple place. And I wonder, and I, and I almost believe that this is probably the case, that maybe as the Lord Jesus Christ stepped out in the middle of that temple grounds, they maybe dropped back a little bit. They watched him and began to wonder, what is he doing? We remember once before that he came and he cleansed the temple. But this is the end of the day and the money changers have packed up and gone home. The sacrifices are just finishing up. The last drop of blood is being shed. Soon the Levites will take their rest for the evening. So what is it that the Lord is looking at? Most of the people have gone. Those that came early in the day with their sacrifices have had them inspected. They've had them sacrificed and the blood has been applied and, and most of them have gone home. They, some have brought offerings of thanks, turtle doves, and they've offered them the Lord, but they've gone home. And others have brought lambs and others have brought heifers and others have brought other things to sacrifice. But that day is almost over. There's only a few left. What is the Lord seeing? The Lord Jesus Christ could have very easily exercised his privilege as the Son of God and walked boldly into the Holy of Holies. But he would never do that. According to Scripture, we understand that the outside area of the temple, just outside the walls in the area that you could visit, is called the Court of the Gentiles. The Lord Jesus Christ no doubt could go there and walk around as could anybody. There was an inner court called the court of women. He could go into that area as well. It wasn't necessarily meant that only women were allowed there, but that's as far as women could go. There was another gateway that you could go through and step into that area, and it was called the court of Israel. And there the father or the head of the families could take their sacrifice and they could hand it off to the priests who were in the court of the priests. But understand, there was not much of a physical barrier there. Any, any schematic that you might find will show that the court of Israel was just a small uh, area that, that just separated from the court of the priests, and they could take that sacrifice, and they could give that inspected lamb, those turtle doves, whatever they might have been, and hand them over to the priest. From there, they would just take them and set them right upon an altar, just feet away, shed their blood, they would go to the brazen altar, the wash basin, the, or the brazen laver, and they would wash and cleanse themselves before they'd enter into the holy place. 
Now think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ could very easily go to the court of Israel. And as he stood there and he began to look around, I want to ask that question again. What did he see? What did he see? Well, no doubt from the court of Israel and the vantage point that he had, just a few feet away, he could see the altar. That place of sacrifice. For some thousands of years now, the blood of lambs had been shed every day. The blood of heifers, the blood of goats, the blood of doves, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, and never able to make atonement. Oh, it was a temporary covering, but it could never cleanse. It was something that would offer forgiveness. It was something that would take the place of the sinner, but it could not remove sin forever. And perhaps the Lord Jesus Christ standing there looking, thinking, later this week that will be me. It'll be my blood that is shed. But this time it'll be perfect blood. And it won't just cover the sins of the people. Instead, it'll cleanse the sins of all those who come to me by faith. He could see that altar and just over to the left of the door of the holy place, Perhaps he could see that brazen laver, that wash basin. And he understood you couldn't go into the holy place unless you were clean. Oh, those priests were sinners just like you and I. But ceremonially, they would go over to that wash and they would wash and cleanse themselves before they would go into the holy place. And perhaps the Lord Jesus Christ, he looked at that altar, then he looked at that wash basin and thought, oh, in just a few days, men will be made clean by the blood of the Lamb. All those who come by faith and are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, they'll be able to enter into that holy place. Access will be opened up because they'll be washed, they'll be clean, and they'll stand worthy. Lord Jesus Christ was no normal man. As he stood there and he saw that altar, and over on the other side, he could see the wash space and he could also see the doors to the holy place. Lord Jesus Christ grew up just like any other Jewish boy, and he knew what was on the other side of those doors. And maybe he could not see through the doors, but being the Son of God, maybe he could. But through spiritual eyes, he knew what was there. Over on the left was the table of showbread. Those loaves of bread that were stacked six high, side by side, six and six, one loaf of bread for each of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord Jesus Christ could see through spiritual eyes those bread and say, I am the bread of life. All you come and those priests minister daily in the temple and daily in sacrifice and you, you take of that bread and you eat of that bread and Jesus is preaching to himself and he says, one day in the not too distant future, everyone who takes of that bread of life will be born again. Over on his right, through those same spiritual eyes, he can see the lampstand. Perhaps he gets choked up and thinks, Israel, Israel, 
Can't you see? I am the light of the world. That lampstand that is there to shine light upon that bread, to show you the path to the bread of life, that is me. I am both the bread and I am the light. But when we think about Christmas, we think about light. We see these trees up here tonight lit up. And, and, and by the way, understand the symbolism. Do you know why we have Christmas trees? Some old people say, wow, they're pagan, they're this, they're that. You can think what you want. That's okay. Do you know that when they celebrated Christmas, they chose an evergreen tree to represent everlasting life? And they put lights on it to represent the light of the world. These are just symbols to remind us of things. Just like that lampstand in that holy place, the Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world. As he looks even deeper into that holy place, he can see the veil of the temple. But before he got to the veil of the temple, he can see the altar of incense. That altar of incense would burn night and day. And the smoke rising would signify our prayers going to God. As the Lord Jesus Christ looked around the temple that evening, he must have thought, he must have thought, there is one mediator between God and man, and that's me. All of these things that the people see and, and that the priests take for granted on a daily basis, and every Jewish person knew what was inside that holy place, even though they were not allowed in there. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am all of these things. But then behind that altar of incense where the smoke would rise up to God, he would see the veil. In just a few days when the Lord Jesus Christ would call out, it is finished, the veil would be rent from top to bottom. The Lord Jesus knew that. And through spiritual eyes, in the temple that night, what did he see? He saw the veil that in just a few days would be taken down and access would be granted to God. You see, Lord Jesus Christ was the one that tore that veil. He was the one that created access to God. He's the one that can reconcile you to the Father. He's, he's the reason that we can go boldly to the throne of grace because we go in Jesus' name. Jesus Christ saw all those things. Perhaps in just a few days as he died on the cross and that veil is rent in two, the Lord Jesus Christ would be reminded of all those things. And what the Jewish person may not have understood is that there was a longing in their heart. I don't think anybody delighted in the sacrifices and all those things and the blood that was shed. I imagine, I think about it today, there's a lot of people that like to go hunting in our church and I imagine there's some wives that go, oh man, he's coming home all bloody again. I just don't like it. It's a messy thing. It's a dirty thing. We have farmers in our church that deal with animals and, and, and you know, you're constantly dealing with that kind of thing and they're just, it's not always enjoyable. I'm sure there was people that thought this, this sacrifice system is a bloody religion. But there was coming a lamb that would take care of it once and for all. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
One more sacrifice was all that was needed. And it was the blood of a spotless lamb. Now, I want you to notice something as we read on. Look at verse 12 with me. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple. There he is again. And began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, it is, not, is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations, the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. There was one more thing that the Lord saw, I believe, that night. As he walked through the court of women, I think he probably saw a bunch of tables sitting around. They were empty because it was the time of day that everybody had packed up and gone home. But it's those tables that the money changers would use. You say, well, maybe they took their table with them. Maybe they did, but there was marks all over the ground where commerce had taken place. There was the stench of sin in the nose of the Savior. As he couldn't get past the thought that he'd already cleansed the temple once, and yet here they were back again, setting up shop. I believe the next morning when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to the temple, it's with a purpose. It's so that he can come and cleanse the temple a second time. And the Bible says he overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. What did he see? He saw that his father's house had been turned to a den of thieves. Now let me make an application and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this. Listen, you don't have to turn there. You've heard this verse a hundred times. Just listen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For you bought with a price... Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's the truth. Romans chapter 8 verse 27 says this. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Paul the apostle tells the church at Rome... The Spirit of God searcheth your hearts. And he told the church at Corinth, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let me make the application. When the Spirit of God 
rides into town and he sits in the temple of your heart, what does he see? What does he see? Does he see a firm representation of Jesus Christ? Blood being shed, hearts being cleansed, the light of the world, the bread of life, prayers going up to God, access to the throne of grace? Or does he like, and he did back in the days of old, see a room full of money changers and the house of God has been turned to a den of thieves? He said, what am I supposed to do? The Spirit of God is making intercession. He's searching your hearts and he's making, he's praying, he's begging God. Your body is to be a living sacrifice. I'm saying, would you surrender and let God cast some of those things out of your life? The temple is to be a house of prayer. It is to be a sanctified thing. So I'm tired of these people. That sounds bitter. I don't mean it to sound bitter. I'm tired of hearing my body, my choice. If you're a child of God, it's not your body. You're bought with a price. You belong to God. Therefore, glorify God. People do all kinds of things, marking up their bodies, piercing holes in their body, all kinds of things. My body, my choice, it's how I express myself. That's exactly what's going on. You're expressing yourself. You're not expressing the image of God. You were created in his image and created for his glory. We need to be open to allow the spirit to come in, just like Jesus did, and have a look around. And if need be, cast some money changers out of our lives. Cast some sin out of our lives. That's it. Just an application tonight, no points on a board or alliterated outline. It's just a verse I've been tripping over. Will you let the Spirit have his way in your life? Would you let him speak to you tonight? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We'll stand. If God has spoke to your heart and you'd like to use the altar, feel free to do so. Let's do business with God. Can you play Have Thine Own Way, Lord? I think that'd be an appropriate hymn. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Are you willing to let the potter do what he wants to do with your life? He may need to come in and cast out some things. He may need to cleanse the temple. 